My name is Meredith Barnes. The scripture passage today comes from the New Testament book of Hebrews. I will be reading from chapter 10, verses 1 through 14. Hear the word of the Lord. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped, for the worshipers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, Look, I have come to do your will, O God, as written about me in the scriptures. First, Christ said, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them though they are required by the law of Moses. Then he said, Look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Meredith. I'm doing my best as a new pastor to ruin our relationship with Mequon Nature Preserve because um, yesterday I was here and I was moving this down myself, down the steps, when the bottom fell off. And uh, I had the top in my hands and I could only watch helplessly as the bottom tumbled down the stairs. This boom, boom, you know. And um, the two wheels on this side just disintegrated into plastic shards everywhere. And now this side of the podium is being held up by a battery. So (laughs) new pastor comes in and destroys the podium. Uh, Yeah, just really great way to start off our relationship with this place. So we are staring down the end of uh, this book of Hebrews series. Some of you are like, finally. Uh, Some of you are like, when's it going to end? It's going to climax at Easter, which I'm really excited about. Um, But my goal all along in this book of Hebrews has been to give you some keys so that when you read this book on your own, you can unlock what the author of Hebrews is trying to say because he's pulling all this Old Testament content into the New Testament and he's repurposing it to talk about Jesus. And and so I hope now when you read it on your own, it makes a whole lot more sense as he uses all this Bible jargon. So there is a, a perpetual cycle in our house. And it goes like this. Kids make a mess, parents clean up mess. (laughs) It's a real simple cycle. Anyone ever been in this cycle before in their lives or in it right now? Kids make a mess, parents clean up a mess. It's so funny because I remember 
uh, before we had children, we had some friends of ours over to our house who had kids. And we were sitting in our living room. And our friend and the wife, I remember, she looked around and she just said, your living room is immaculate. She's like, you just wait, because when you have kids, this is all going to change. So enjoy your immaculate living room while you can. And I remember kind of thinking like, oh, that doesn't sound very good. And, and that statement was totally prophetic. She could not have been more right. Because the cycle happens every single day where at the end of the day, we, Morgan and I get the kids to bed, and then, and then Morgan usually cleans up supper and cleans up the kitchen dining room, and then I clean up the living room and clean up the toys. And every single day, I'm putting the same toys back in their spot, and I'm putting the same books back in their spot, and I'm putting the favorites, the old... I don't even know why we have some of the toys, because they never play with them. It's always the same toys that are out. So I'm putting those away every single day. And in fact, last night, got kind of late. Morgan was running some errands, and I had gotten the kids to bed. And so she came back, and she's like, I'm like... I'm like, I still got, you know, to clean up the mess, and I got work to do yet, things to prepare for tomorrow. She's like, just forget the mess and put the stuff together for tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. And so the mess from yesterday still stands in our, in our living room. It's a constant cycle. Another story I remember is uh, we were visiting some friends, and again, these friends had children at the time, and we did not. And we had eaten supper, and there was this rice on the floor underneath the kid's high chair of our friends. And I remember the wife saying to her husband, just leave the rice. Uh, we'll let it harden, and then we can sweep it up real easy later. You know? And, and I, that just was amazing to me, because I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, I had grown up in a house where it was like, mess, clean up mess. You know, you do your work before you play. You clean up before you can play, and, or you clean up right after you're done playing. And so to leave a mess was just like, ah, you know, it was, it was outside of my understanding. But now that I have kids, I totally get it. That was super efficient. Let the rice dry, and then you can just sweep it up rather than having to deal with the sticky rice. And it's, it's, it's like half the work if you just wait and sweep it up. So I totally get it. And those of you that have had kids totally get this, this cycle of mess, clean up mess, mess, clean up mess. This is totally how it goes in our house. And I bring up this cycle of mess, clean up mess, because our author of Hebrews today is talking about this cycle of mess, clean up mess, mess, clean up mess. The author of Hebrews acknowledges that we are sinful, dirty, messy, broken, and fallen human beings who are separated from God in our sin. We are dirty, we are messy, and when we brought sin into the world, we fractured our relationship with God, and now we are separated from God. And so, if you were an Old Testament believer who believed in God, how, as an broken and sinful, fallen individual, are you going to spend time with the Lord or worship the Lord? Well, you would clean yourself up by ritually or metaphorically going through a process called an animal sacrifice. And so as a dirty, messy human being, in order to go into God's presence, you would take an animal and you would sacrifice the animal and that would signify, or it would, it would point to a metaphor of The animal dying in your place. Because as sinful, broken, messy, fallen human beings, we don't deserve to be part of God's good creation. In fact, we are the ones that ruin God's good creation. And so our penalty ought to be removal. We don't deserve this. We ought to be removed. Our sentence is death. We ought to die. But when you would make an animal sacrifice, you are saying that the animal is symbolically taking on your sin your brokenness, your mess, and now the animal is being removed from the good creation instead of you being removed, and now you can be with the Lord. And the author of Hebrews is saying this is how the cycle would went. 
go. A messy person would make a sacrifice, and then a messy person would make another sacrifice, and a messy person would make a sacrifice to be with the Lord. Messy person, make a sacrifice to be with the Lord. And this would go on and on and over and over again. In the same way that kids make a mess, parents clean up the mess. Day after day, kids make a mess, parents clean up the mess. A, a, a sinful person that is messy would make a sacrifice to be with the Lord, then they're messy again, so they'd make a sacrifice to be with the Lord, then they're messy again, make a sacrifice to be with the Lord, on and on and on. And this is what the author of Hebrews says in verse 1. He says, the sacrifices under that system, the old system, the old covenant, the old sacrificial system, the yellow pages, were repeated again and again, year after year. So as a sinful person, it would be very dangerous for you, and as a broken and fallen individual, it'd be very dangerous for you to go into the Lord's presence with your brokenness and your messiness and your sinfulness. It'd be very hazardous to your health. You could not go into the presence of the Lord because you are separated from him. You are broken. You are messy. You carry the death sentence. And to go into the presence of the Lord would be fatal. You would die. But what the sacrifice does is it creates a clean space wherein you can meet with the Lord without dying because the animal has symbolically taken on your death sentence. The animal symbolically takes on your death sentence so that it can create a clean space wherein you can meet with the Lord without dying and worship the Lord without dying. So when we had Colin, Morgan had a scheduled C-section, and I remember they, they were preparing her in the other room, and they had me in this room, and, and they handed me one of these like scrub suits, like a clean suit. And I put the suit on to, pro- to protect myself when I would go into that operating room so that I wouldn't introduce any new germs into the operating room, nor would I contract any of the germs that possibly existed in the operating room. So this is fun. I'm excited about this. I have a friend. I have a friend, and she was, or still is, one of the youth leaders at First Presbyterian, And she works at Grafton Aurora Hospital. And so I texted her, and I said, do you have one of those suits? And she said, yeah. And so I uh, pulled up to the emergency room earlier this week, and she ran it out to me. And she thought I wanted to dress up like the Easter Bunny, and I said, no, I'm just doing a sermon. (laughs) But um, as a... You even have thumb holes on this thing. See? Yeah. Isn't that awesome? So um, you can uh, look at this. This has a, a face shield. Oh, no. I busted it. Oh, but it has a face shield. You know? So I think I just have the. So as a pastor, it's not uncommon for me to visit the hospital and the patient. Oh, I can't get this. And the patient that, has, that I'm visiting will have these suits and these gloves outside of their room. And so what you do is you put on the suit and you glove up and then uh, you only have to put the mask on if you're sick. Um, one time I saw, I was visiting somebody and I saw the nurse came in and she had a whole conversation through one of these things. It was impressive. And she was way more articulate than I am right now. You can tell she talks through one of those a lot. But when I visit a, a patient, sometimes they have these suits. And you put this suit on because it creates a clean space in the room where you're meeting with the patient. And now what this does is this protects me from contracting whatever potential virus or disease or germs might be in that room. And so now I can go in safely and meet with that patient without having to worry about contracting whatever is 
germs or disease is living in that room. And in the same way, a sacrifice functions as one of these clean suits so that you can meet safely with God and you don't incur death because you've created a clean space for you to meet with God. So sacrifice creates a clean space with God. But there's, there's, this, this is all well and good, but it's the yellow pages. It's outdated. It worked for its time, but now we have something so much better. There's problems with these old yellow pages. They just don't do it very well. There's two problems with this sacrificial system. The first problem is that these sacrifices that these people had to make had to happen over and over and over and over again. It's just like having to clean up after our kids over and over and over again. Sometimes I wonder, what is the point? Oh, and now I should add on to that story. Now we got the boy. This is so boy life because we... He loves to throw things, which is totally different from girls. And I mean, he can really whip those things. And so what he does is we have one of those exposed stairwells that goes down to the basement. And so now he's just found his entertainment by taking anything he possibly can and chucking it down that stairwell of the basement. So now not only do I have to clean up our main floor, but now at the end of every day I have to trudge down to the basement with a bucket, basically, and pick up everything that on the landing and that tumbled down into the basement and on the steps and bring it up. And first of all, going down the stairs is a risk to my life because I might step on one of these toys and tumble down. Someday I'm sure that's going to happen. But one of the problems with these sacrifices is that you had to make them over and over and over again. The author of Hebrews says this this way. He says, under the old covenant, under the yellow pages, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, because this is the cycle. Messy person makes sacrifice, meets with God. Messy person makes sacrifice, meets with God, and so on and so forth. That's the first problem with this old sacrificial system. The other problem with this old sacrificial system is that it didn't actually take sins away. This was a metaphorical or a symbolic act it didn't actually remove the individual's sins. So here's what the author of Hebrews says. He says, under the old covenant, the yellow pages, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again. And then he says this, which can never take away sins. Just because an animal dies doesn't mean that your dirtiness and your messiness is actually removed. That is a symbolic act of the animal taking on the death instead of you. And this is what the author of Hebrews says. He says, for it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to actually take away sins. It's all symbolic. It's all ritualistic. The actual removal of sins is not effected in that moment. It's all, an, it's all symbolic. So we have these problems with this old sacrificial system. where We've got to make these sacrifices over and over again. And on top of that, they don't actually remove our sins. It actually doesn't take sins away. And what the author of Hebrews is going to do is he's going to tell us what this all results in. He's going to give us the perfect sacrifice, and that was our gathering scripture today that Abby read. And he's going to tell us how Jesus takes what was these yellow pages, this old sacrificial system, and he is going to perfect it because he is going to be the perfect sacrifice. So here's what the author of Hebrews says. He says, the old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow or a dim preview of the good things that were to come. So he's saying those yellow pages, that old sacrificial system, that was only a shadow or a preview of what to come. It was pointing forward toward someone better. It was pointing toward something better. And that someone better is Jesus. Why is Jesus the perfect sacrifice that the old system of sacrifice anticipated? Why is Jesus superior to that old sacrificial system? Well, first of all, he is superior and he is the perfect sacrifice because he is the once and for all sacrifice. He dies once on the cross and sheds his blood once 
for all time. Here's what the author of Hebrews says. But our high priest, meaning Jesus, but our priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. In the old system of sacrifice, we had to make these sacrifices over and over and over again. Just like we have to put on these scrubs over and over again. I, try, I had two of these, and I even tried to take it off carefully, and it ripped. All right, So when I take this one off, I'm just going to rip it off like, and feel like I'm a superhero for a second, right? But you have to put on new ones, and those of you that work in hospitals have to put on scrubs over and over again. Launder the scrub, clean the scrub, put it on over and over again. These sacrifices had to make, be made over and over again. But in Jesus, we have someone who has given himself and shed his blood and died on the cross once, only one time, for all time. He is the once and for all sacrifice. Sometimes I like to think about how much sin was laid on the shoulders of Jesus as he hung on that cross. The line, there's a line in the song in Christ alone that says, for every sin on him was laid. And just take a moment to think about the fact that when Jesus hung on that cross, all of the sin of all of the believers that came before Jesus in the Old Testament was laid upon his shoulders. So all of David's sin, all of Abraham's sin, all of Moses' sin, all of Jacob's sin, and all of the people of Israel and all of the Gentiles outside of Israel who came to faith in God, all of their sin was laid upon Jesus. And on top of that, all of the sin of all of the believers that come after Jesus in all of time was laid upon his shoulders. I know that I have contributed an incredible, incredible is a bad word, like a terrible amount of sin on Jesus. I've contributed enough, and so have all of us. And in that moment, he took on not only the entirety of all of the sin that I would ever commit, he took on the entirety of all of the sins of all you believers that you would commit, and he has taken on the sins of believers in the future who haven't even been born yet. All of the sin of all of the believers of all time is laid upon his shoulders in that moment that he hangs on the cross. And so as we go into Good Friday this year and you ponder the death of Jesus, remember the incredible weight of all of the sin of all of time of all of the believers that is laid upon his shoulders as he dies on that cross for you. It's incredibly profound. He is the once and for all sacrifice. That is why he is the perfect sacrifice. And he is the perfect sacrifice because his sacrifice actually provides cleansing of sin. In the old system, it couldn't take sin away. But in Jesus' sacrifice and death on the cross, he actually takes our sins away and opens up forgiveness. This is what the author of Hebrews says. He says, for by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. By dying on the cross... Jesus actually secures forgiveness for his followers. His sacrifice and his death on the cross actually effects the removal or the cleansing of sin. His death actually takes sin away. And now the way to the Father is opened. And now, as the author of Hebrews is getting at, now people who follow him and believe in him have that barrier of sin removed. And now we can stand in right relationship with God and begin the process of becoming made like Jesus that will one day be complete when we meet him face to face. This is the process of being made holy, being made set apart, being conformed to the image of Jesus, becoming more like Christ that one day will only be complete when we meet him face to face. But now that process is actually possible because the barrier of sin and the separation of sin has been removed in Jesus' death on the cross that actually affects the removal of sin, the cleansing of sin. That old system, in the sacrificial system, the animal symbolically died, but that never took your death away. That didn't take your sin away. 
But now in the death of Jesus, the perfect man has laid down his life and stood in your place on that cross and has removed sins. So now we can actually begin the process of becoming the people God created us to be and being in right relationship with him. This is why he's the greater sacrifice because he is the once and for all sacrifice. He dies once for all of the sin of all believers of all time and his sacrifice actually provides cleansing of sin and forgiveness of sin. Now forgiveness is possible. The way to God has been opened. What does all this mean? What are all these ramifications for this incredible act of Jesus being the perfect sacrifice? And this is our gathering scripture that Abby read. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. What's he talking about? <laughs> And again, the author of Hebrews is using all this Old Testament language. He's speaking the language he knows best, and he's speaking the language of the people he's writing to. And he's using all this Old Testament language, talking about the most holy place. So what the author of Hebrews is doing is he is referencing this building called the temple. And the temple was the center of life in the Old Testament, and certainly the center of religious life in the Old Testament. And it was the home of God. The temple is where God lived. And inside of the temple, so this is going to be a cross-section now. It's like if you lopped off the temple and are looking you know, down from the above. Inside the temple, there was this room called the most holy place. And it was this innermost room. And so if the temple is God's house, the most holy place is God's bedroom. Because that is where God's presence dwelled. And this room was so inner and so most holy, so set apart... This is how exclusive the presence of God was. This is how exclusive the room was. Only one man, and that man is the high priest, could go into that room. And only that one man, the high priest, could go into that room only once per year. And only could that one man go into that room once per year after undergoing all sorts of rituals, including an animal sacrifice. So this is how exclusive the presence of God is, because it's only one man, only once a year, only after doing all sorts of rituals, including making an animal sacrifice. So the high priest goes in once per year, covered in the blood of an animal sacrifice. And this is what the author of Hebrews says, says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. So what he's doing is he's referencing that act of this high priest going into God's actual presence at great risk to himself. Because you are going into God's presence. And you are a dirty and sinful, fallen, broken human being. And the sentence for your sin is death. And so that high priest would go in there at risk of his life. You better have done that instructions right. You better have made that sacrifice right. God better have been pleased because you could really easily die by going into God's presence. And it was so risky to the life of that high priest that they would tie a rope around his ankle when he would go into the most holy place. So if he died in there, they could pull him out again. Because if he would die in there, who's drawing straws to go into God's presence? I'm not going in there. We can just pull him out with the rope. Right? But that's how exclusive God's presence was. And now the author of Hebrews is telling us that in the same way, we can boldly go into God's most holy place and God's presence. So in the Old Testament, you had only the high priest, only once per year, only after an animal sacrifice, into the God's presence. And now we have anybody through the blood of Jesus approaching God's presence anywhere, anytime. Do you see how the exclusivity has been broadened out out to all believers? 
and then now we are covered in the blood of Christ when we go into God's presence and that opens the way to him and now going into God's presence, we're covered by his blood. There's a New Testament scholar by the name of N.T. Wright and he made his own translation of the New Testament and I've read to you that to you before, some, from that before. And this is how he translates verse 22 and I love what he does here. He translates Hebrews 10.22 this way. He says, Let us therefore come to worship with a true heart in complete assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us therefore come to worship sprinkled clean by the blood of Jesus. You know, when you walk through those doors on Sunday morning, you're not just coming into a nature preserve and you're not just going to church. You can walk through those doors without dying because you are sprinkled by the blood of Jesus' sacrifice. We sit here every single Sunday covered, sprinkled clean in the blood of Christ. Isn't this a miracle? Those moments that you remember people in prayer, Paul talks about remembering people in prayer. And sometimes I'll drive by something and it'll remind me of somebody or you drive by somebody's house and you think about somebody and try to use those as an opportunity to remember somebody in prayer. And those moments, it might only last three seconds, but those moments that you remember somebody in prayer made possible by the blood of Jesus, a heart sprinkled clean by the blood of Jesus. Even those tiny moments of prayer are made possible by Christ's sacrifice. One of the ways that it seems like sometimes the only way I can get away and be with God is in my car. Because <laughs> it's like you shut off all distractions and I move into the passenger seat so I have room to read my Bible and you can just be in there and pray and it just kind of like is your shield from the world and shield from all distractions. And, and one of my favorite spots was, um, I don't go there as much anymore, but was in Sheboygan. And it's this park. And it's hilarious because you pull up and you look east, straight east, and it's, and it's up on a bluff, and so you see the lake, and it's just beautiful. It's wonderful when it's windy, because you get the big waves, and you look out over the horizon, and it's just like, you're just reminded of God and bathed in his presence. And, then, and you look to the north, and you see the coastline of Sheboygan and Lake Michigan, and then you see Blue Harbor jutting out, and you see the, the lighthouse sticking out of the water. It's just beautiful. And then you look south. And to the south, you see the park, and then next to the park is a sewage treatment plant. And then next to the sewage treatment plant is the power plant for Sheboygan. So it's just like gorgeous to the east, gorgeous to the north, and then absolutely disgusting to the south, which is just absolutely hilarious. So I just kind of, you know, go like this way. But um, I would go there and, 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 and read and pray, and it would just be a wonderful time to spend in the Lord because it's just shielding myself from the world, shielding myself from distractions. And those moments in my car... I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. I can do that, and I can drive to that spot, and I can boldly enter God's presence because I have been covered in his sacrifice. The way's been opened. I can meet with my God in my car because of Jesus' sacrifice. This is a total gift that we have here. So as you go into this Easter season, do not take for granted the ability that we have to go right into God's presence whenever we want, wherever we want, covered in the blood of Jesus who makes this sacrifice possible. Maybe one last thing. I think that Part of maturing in faith is learning these different images and realities of Scripture. And what they do is when we learn them, they wash over us like a wave and they break us down into our place as humans. 
And they remind us as they wash over us and break us down over and over again who we are and who God is. And this covered in the blood of Jesus as we come into his presence is just another wave that washes over me, breaks me down, reminds me of who I am and how great my God is and how I ought to praise him and love him. Amen. Amen.